If you have your Bibles for a little while, I want you to turn with me to the book of John, the fourth chapter. John chapter 4, and I am going to read just a few verses out of a whole story, but we'll, we'll talk to you about the whole passage, but I don't want you to have to stand for me to read that. Some of you might pass out. I don't want to have to call life support tonight, so we'll just read a few verses. We can stand in line at the mall until our tongues drop out. But if we stand too long in church, my Lord forbid. I shouldn't have gone there, should I? You can tell I wasn't at church Sunday night. John chapter 4, verse 35. Verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish this work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And everybody said, Amen. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God. I'm going to give you a little history lesson to begin with. Perhaps you could understand a little bit more about what I'm going to try to speak to you about. If you understood the country of Palestine a little better, the country itself was not large by any means. The country of God's people was only 120 miles long from north to south. I don't know how long you've lived in Texas, but Texas could swallow it up several times over, I'm sure. 120 miles from the north to the south. During the time of Scripture, it had been divided into three territories by geographical location. To the extreme north lay what was known as Galilee. To the extreme south was what was known as Judea. And in the middle... In between Galilee and Judea was Samaria. And my, what a colorful history Samaria had. It was from this region that ten of the tribes of Israel resided. Because of its history and failure and many other issues, it had become a despised place. There had been for many, many years 
a feud that had gone on between the Jews and the Samaritans because the true Jew did not believe that the Samaritan was still a Jew because they had intermarried with the Assyrians when they had been captured in times past and the land had been repopulated. Those that remained of the lineage of uh, of Jacob married these uh, heathen people. And according to the devout Jew, they had polluted the race and they were no longer considered a true brother. They were considered dogs. They were despised and they were ill-treated to say the least. There was a lot of resentment between them. As a matter of fact, in biblical times, the Jew had little to do with the Samaritan. They felt like they were beneath them, and they were of a lesser race of people. A lot of quarreling and a lot of bitterness, but they were part of the country, and so they were endured. They were put up with, so to speak, and they were tolerated. But this seething animosity had come to a head many years before Christ came on the scene because the Samaritans realized that they were being rejected by their own blood brothers. And because of that, they rose up in rebellion and there was a great deal of tension, to say the least, between the Jew and the Samaritan. The problem was the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee was through Samaria. And the quickest way to get from Galilee to Judea was through Samaria. Now, you didn't have to go that way. You could find another route, but hear me when I tell you that if you wanted to move in that day from Judea to Galilee, it was about a three-day journey if you went through Samaria. But you could choose another path. If you were of a mind and you did not want to deal with these Samaritans or have any interaction with them or any kind of commerce with them, then they could come down the Jordan and they could cross the Jordan just north of Samaria. They could travel on down the country and then come into the country of the Galilee. And many times they would do that. But this was the quickest route. The other route took twice as long to go. And believe me, there were many that took that journey. But on this occasion, Jesus chose to go through Samaria. Now, it would seem from what I read from this particular chapter that Jesus came this way merely for convenience sake. That his reason for coming through Samaria was it was the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee because in Judea there was a rumbling going on about baptism and 
Jesus knew that his time was not yet come. And so it was time for him to move into another area for ministry. And so he goes down to Galilee through Samaria. And on the way, this chapter takes place. Now, and in a lot of people's minds or perhaps in their thinking, they would probably have thought as the disciples did that he was simply moving his operation from one location to another. This was the quickest way to get there. And so here we are going through Samaria. But how many of you know tonight that there is nothing by chance with God? How many of you really believe that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord? So it was not chance that they went through Samaria. Now you have to understand there's two minds working here. There's the mind of the disciples on one side and there's the mind of Christ on the other. And so Jesus takes these men through Samaria to get to his next location in Galilee. But it was a long journey, and it was hot. And this particular area was barren and dry. And so as they make their way toward the town of Sychar, they come to a fork in the road that's right outside of town, and in that fork is Jacob's well. And so Jesus sits down. It's about noon. It's hot, and he's tired from the journey, and he sits down at the well to rest. Now, I don't know whose idea it was, maybe Jesus or the disciples, but they went on ahead into Sychar to get some food so that they could be nourished. But Jesus remained at the well. And it wasn't long until this single person came making their way down the road. And it was a woman. The strange thing is, what was she doing so far out of town? Because there were water sources in the town. But when you read her story, you understand being a woman of ill repute that she was and having the record that she had, she probably wasn't welcome in town. And so she had to make this journey to a well. It seemed an accident. It seemed coincidence. But little did she realize that there was a rendezvous fixing to happen that was going to determine her spiritual destiny. And so Jesus begins to interact with her, and he begins this conversation. And that's not even, I don't even want to preach about that because that's a whole other, another message in itself. But he begins this exchange between this woman, and she wants to know, first of all, what are you even doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Not only am I a Samaritan, I'm a woman. And it was against the law for him to speak to her. He was breaking the law, so to speak, by doing what he was doing. But he ignored that and he just kept on and 
kept probing and the questions kept getting deeper and something something happened somewhere in the conversation and it finally got around to what the real problem was the problem was that I don't really need a drink but you do and I want to tell you how to get a drink that will satisfy you and so he takes this woman through this process and in the meantime his disciples are off in this godforsaken town Wondering what in the world are we doing here in the first place and why do we have to stop in this God-forsaken place to begin with? I don't know. Maybe they're like some of you that go to the grocery store or maybe some of me that go sometimes when we don't want to have, we don't want to go. And we're driving, we're walking down the aisle grumbling to ourselves. Well, I don't know why I've got to do that. Why I did something. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. I kind of have a feeling that might have been going on with those disciples in that market. I don't if we had not stopped here, we wouldn't have to put up with these people. Look at this filthiness. I, I don't even like being around here. Stay with me. I'm getting to a point here in a minute. It may take me a little while. After all of that, they finally get what they need, and they come back. And lo and behold, here he is sitting talking to this woman. Now, that's bad enough. They didn't even know her story. They just saw she was a woman. And they're wondering, what in the world is Jesus doing talking to this woman? More than that, what is he doing talking to a Samaritan to begin with? And evidently, they could tell there was some kind of depth to their conversation because it was about that time that the woman broke away and said, I have to go to town and tell everybody in town that somebody knows me and they know about me and they care for me. And so she leaves and now another conversation takes place. And they offer their food to Jesus and Jesus is at this point, he's not even hungry anymore. He said, I have meat to eat you don't even know anything about. And um, then he says something that is, to me, truly astonishing. For he informs them that you say there are four months and then cometh harvest. But I want to tell you that if you would just lift up your eyes and look There's a harvest right now, right where you are. Now, that went right over the disciples' head because they weren't listening for that. They weren't interested in that. They were too busy trying to get through something and get on to something else to realize what God might be trying to do in this God-forsaken place called Samaria. We have taken this text and we have preached evangelism, and I believe in preaching evangelism, but I want to help you see something tonight maybe you haven't considered before. But what I want to help you see is the difference between the thinking of these disciples and the thinking of Christ. I want you to understand the difference between what they saw and what Jesus saw in their present opportunity. You see, Sychar and Samaria to these disciples were merely a place to pass through. 
It was just something to endure. It was something that they had to do. It was distasteful. It was unwelcome. It was unwanted. But it was necessary, they understood. But the quicker they could get through it, the better off they would be. The quicker they could get on the road, the better off they would feel. And the quicker they could get to Galilee, the better they would feel about their ministry opportunities. And Jesus stops him and said, hey, folks, there's a harvest right here in this unwanted, God-forsaken, hated place. There's a revival. Stay with me. Jesus saw possibility in their misery. Jesus saw promise in their pain. Jesus saw enlargement in their endurance. Now, in their mind, they're just trying to get on. I'm just trying to get through life, Brother Hughes. That's all I'm trying. I'm just trying to get through this, this, this place that I'm in right now. And we're so busy trying to get through it that we miss what God has put in it. And in it was one of the greatest revivals that a person could ever imagine. Because the fields, not field, but fields, plural, were white already. They were brimming over with promise and with harvest And Jesus said, it's right here in this place that you don't want to be. Right here in this place that you're doing everything you can to escape from. Right here in this place that you can't wait until your tenure is over. And you can say, I'm glad that's behind me. Jesus said, if you would stop trying to get away from here and open your eyes and start looking around, you would be shocked at what I have provided for you in this place called Samaria. That in this God-forsaken place, in this place that you don't want to be. And if you had your choice, you would have rerouted the whole thing and you would have gone another way but God said no I'm going to take you through Samaria you're not going to like it it's not going to be pleasant you're not going to smile about it you're not going to jump up and down and say oh joy but I'm here to tell you that in the midst of your misery I can be the greatest God and the greatest help that you've ever known in your life if you would just open up your eyes and see what is there He saw possibility. They saw barren soil. He saw teeming harvest. He saw fruit and vintage. A place of blessing, not just a place of necessity. They were not looking for recruits in this place. As a matter of fact, if you had given the disciples a list of places, they could have gone and knocked doors to try to bring in new converts to the kingdom. This would not have been the neighborhood they would have picked. They wouldn't have chosen that neighborhood. They would have picked Galilee. They would have picked 
Judea, an area that was more favorable, that would treat them better, that would respond to them more positively. But Jesus brought them right into the heart of the place they despised the most and said, right here is the biggest harvest that your mind could even grasp. And they wanted, all they wanted to do was just hurry up and get through this. Some of you sitting here tonight, you are in such a hurry to get through what you're going through right now. I'm afraid you're going to miss what God has placed in your life, in your journey, to help you become the man or the woman that you need to be. All they wanted to do was hurry up and go on. They never thought it was worthwhile for Jesus to stop here, much less preach here. They were too much in a hurry. But in this place that they were hurrying to get through, Jesus prophesied a great harvest. Here is the unwanted place where great revival and blessing were going to be poured out. My question to you tonight is this. What are you missing because you are in such a hurry just to get through it? What are you missing in the problem that you're dealing with right now that you're just thinking, man, if I can just get through this week, if I can just get through next month, if I can just get to the end of the school year, we envision things beyond that point as going to become better. That if I can just get through this week, if I can just deal with this person on the job, or if I can just deal with this problem in my family, I can see down the road, I see things shining brighter than, than, than they are in the present. But could it be that in God's divine orchestration of your life and mine, He purposely brought us to this unwanted place so he could reveal to us some of his greatest and biggest blessing. Could it be that the reason some of us are hurting like we're hurting right now is not so he could watch us in our pain, but so he could show us his power in the midst of our misery, that in the midst of this God-forsaken place that we're just trying to get out of, we're just trying to hurry up and get through, God wants to sit down at a well and show you the harvest and show you the blessing that are yours, that can be yours if you will just open your eyes and look. My God, help us tonight. All that we want to do is just get through it. We know we can't change it, and so we're just going to endure it. How many things... Are we just enduring tonight that God could use to enlarge us if we would just open our eyes and look? It's just part of the journey, and we know it, and we know we can't change it, but we know that there will be another day when the sun will shine again, and so we wait for that day. You know what God's trying to tell somebody here tonight? You don't have to wait until the sun shines for me to bless you. 
I can bless you in the storm. I can bless you in the rain. I can bless you in the pain. I can bless you in the loss. I can bless you when you're hurting. I can bless you when you're down. I'm with you no matter where you are. You don't have to look to some far off day down the road. When things are better, I'm going to rejoice. Brother Hughes, I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing. Why don't you just throw your hands up right now in the middle of Samaria and believe God for a miracle right where you are are right in the midst of your pain and suffering believe that God can do anything and God can help you right where you are come on clap your hands Jesus showed them that you can have a harvest in a hard place You can have a harvest in a hard place. Jesus saw in this place fields that were ready to harvest. In the most unlikely place, in the most impossible place, God gives harvest. Amen. And that's just something we're trying to get through. I used to tell, I've said it before, some of you laugh, but the old song, if I can make it through December... Everything's going to be all right, I know. We can sing that about a lot of other things, a lot of other months. If I can just get through this problem, if I can just get through this crisis, Brother Hughes, I promise you I'm going to be more faithful. If I, just, if I can just get through this, I'm going to be more consistent in my giving. I'm going to be more consistent in my worship. I'm going to be more faithful to church. If I just get through this, And so we put off our victory and we put off God's blessings to some future date when God's trying to show his disciples. You don't have to wait till we get to Galilee for me to show you what I can do. I can show you right here in Samaria. So I wonder tonight what we're missing because our eyes are there instead of here. God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What is it? in this present misery that I'm living with and in that could reveal your power in a way that nothing else could? What is it in my present pain could reveal your mercy and grace like I could never see it when things would be going well? What is it in my personal crisis that if I could just open my eyes and see the hand of God working, that in spite of everything that hell and the devil and the flesh and the world could throw against me, God's hand is still with me and on me. What a miracle is in the making tonight. Could I tell someone here tonight that you're in the greatest time of your life? Don't laugh at me. Don't mock me that you're at the greatest point in your life. You say, Brother Hughes, you're making fun of my problem. No, I'm not. I'm t- trying to enlarge your God so that you could open your eyes and realize, you know what? In all of the pain, in all of the suffering, in all of the hurt, God could show himself to me in ways that I will never be able to see him when the sun's shining and everything's going my way. It's when I'm down on my luck, when I don't have enough to pay attention, and when I don't know where the next dollar's going to come from, that God somehow miraculously moves in my life, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of 
of mine enemy. He makes a way for me where there is no way. And he shows me how possible it is for him to do the impossible. Oh, my God, help somebody. Help somebody tonight. You see, God's promises are good and true everywhere you are. Not just in Galilee and Samaria, or Galilee and, and, and Judea. They're good in Samaria too. The promises that you feel so close and warm to in service are just as real out there sitting at a desk on your job. The same God that moves in here and you feel his presence and you weep at his presence and you rejoice at his presence, that same God wants to be with you when you walk down the corridors of that job and there are haters in every room and there's people trying to get your job and they're trying to undermine you or take something away from you. There's the same spirit that can walk with you down those corridors and put a hedge about you and say, that's my child. You're not destroying what I've got my hand on. You're not going to curse what I have blessed. Try whatever you want to try. You just cannot curse what God has blessed. Amen. Could I tell someone here tonight that right where you are is the greatest opportunity for God to show himself in his strength. The greatest time of your life, even though it may not seem like it is right now. If you'll just open your eyes and you'll look. You're going to see that there's a field of harvest. There's, there's blessings and bounty and plenty that God, God, God didn't, he didn't let this happen by accident. You didn't just somehow stagger into Samaria and go, oh, man, oh, I didn't know he was there. How did he get over there? Now, I know that's being facetious, but that's kind of the way we act sometimes about God, that God's lost our address, that we pray and nobody hears, and we pray and nobody answers. And so evidently, God doesn't know where I'm at. And the truth is, God's never lost my address. He's the one that's been orchestrating the path. Now, he took me some places I didn't want to go, but I found out in those places is when he was usually closer to me than at any other time in my life. Amen. What use is there in my going through this anyway, somebody said. Well, you'll have to find out by opening your eyes and looking. Because in your misery and in your pain tonight, there's a miracle. You don't have to wait until the sun shines to rejoice. You know what I made up my mind a long time ago to do? I'm going to praise the Lord sometime just to make the devil mad. Because I know if I don't, He's going to rejoice. He's going to say, I got to him today. <laughs> Watch him. I didn't see any hand go up one time. He got the frown on his face. He got some grumpy spirit he brought into service. You know what? Sometimes I just come in here and I want to do this just to say, Devil, do you see me now? 
I'm still here. I still have hands to raise. I still have a heart to praise. I still have a song to sing. I'm not here just to make fun of the devil, but I'm here to tell you that no matter where I am, I found God just as real in the slum as He is in the penthouse. And God just as real on Skid Row as He is on Hollywood Avenue. It doesn't matter where you are in life. God can show Himself mighty and strong in your behalf. If you'll just open your eyes and look around. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, praise him with me right now. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm closing. My prayer tonight is that God would awaken us to our present possibilities. The last place you would look for a harvest is where they were at. And yet that's where the harvest was. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. You see, you have to see it before you can have it. Amen. You have to see it before you can have it. You've got to see it. Everybody say, I've got to see it. I've got to see it before I can have it. Amen. I've got to look for it before I can have it. I've got to realize it's there before I can have it. I've got to understand that God's put it there. God deposited his richest blessings in the deepest veins. You have to dig a little bit to get to them. But if you keep digging, you can find them. And in the hardest places of your life, you can find God to be the most tender and real and near of any time in your life. Amen. What are we missing because we put off to another time or place? some joy, some happiness. We say, when I get through this, has anybody here said that? When I get through this. Well, I'm going to tell you what a young lady told her mother over here the other Sunday. Many of you were here. Young lady received the Holy Ghost here last year. Her mother claimed to be atheist, agnostic or something. I don't know. Anyway, she opposed her fought her pretty severely about coming to church for a while. One day she went in and sat on her mother's table and she said, Mom, I love you, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to live for God whether you want me to or not. And so her mother backed away. She came to church. Every once in a while her mother would come. And then finally, a couple of weeks ago, she came. The Spirit of the God began to move in here. Y'all remember that service? The Holy Ghost started moving. And if you, if you looked up here, you would have seen a young girl looking back. She was so nervous, wondering, is it time? Finally, she just breaks and she goes over there. A 15-year-old girl, and this is what comes out of her mouth. Mother, if you would quit looking for reasons to leave and look for a reason to stay, God would bless you. About that time, the Holy Ghost fell. Boom. Next thing I know, she's laid out on the pew over there, talking in tongues. God blessed her in a marvelous way. 
But I want to tell somebody here tonight, if you would quit looking to get through this and start looking to see what's in this, you might be surprised what God has put in the midst of your Samaria that he wants to do for you, that in the midst of your pain, that you start looking for God. God's got to be here somewhere. He wouldn't lead me here if he wasn't here. He wouldn't direct me this way if God didn't have a purpose for me. Amen. Come on, stand with me. My God, have mercy. When I get through this, when I get this behind me, when I get over this, how many times I've heard people say that? They use, if you'll just give me a little time, when I get over this, I'll be all right. You know what? It would be much better if you would realize you don't have to get over it to get better. <laughs> That's, that sounds like an oxymoron. That sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Because God knew where you would be on this night. Jeremiah prophesied and said that God knew you when you were in the belly of your mother. He knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew all of the twists and turns of your life. None of it's been lost to God. All the ups and downs, the failures, the stumblings, the mistakes, you get back up, you try again, you go on. And you're here tonight, you're wondering, Lord, what's the use of me going through all this anyway? What's the use of me having to go through Samaria to begin with? Why do I have to put up with the people that I have to put up with? Why do I have to live around the people that I have to live around? No. And we're just trying to find a way to get through it and get on with life. Get on to a better place and God's trying to show us that right where we are is a great place to be the fields are ripe harvest is everywhere amen you know one of the most astonishing scriptures I've ever read is found in the book of Psalms when the scripture says that God would give corn on the mountain now I'm not an agriculturist but I've never found corn growing on a mountain. Even if somebody transplanted, the temperature is too cold, the elements are too severe. But God said, I can make corn grow on a mountain. Not only that, I can make rivers in the desert. I can make the desert blossom like the rose. Not only that, I can make the fir tree and the, the and all of the other, the myrtle and, and all of the other trees that are mentioned in, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He said, I can make them grow in a desert. I can cause water to come out of a rock and if I have to feed you this way I can cause manna to fall from heaven all around you 
And I am such a God that if all you have is a handful, you keep going back and there'll there'll always be another handful. Amen. That if you get down to where it's bare bones and it's just one handful left, God said, don't be afraid. It's not going to run out. Go back again and again and again. That's God. That's the kind of God we serve. And if there's a message that I think God's trying to get through to Greater Life Church and some of you is, don't waste your misery. Don't waste the pain and suffering that you're going through right now. Don't look at life as, Lord, I'll be so glad when I get through this. I'll be so glad when this is over. Hey, my heart feels the same way tonight. There's nobody would like for it to get over quicker than I do tonight. But you know what? I've made up my mind. I am am not letting another day go by that I put off my victory or I put off my joy or I put off my happiness to another time or another day. I've made up my mind. I can be happy right now. My heart may be broken, but I can still sing and rejoice. My soul may feel like it's crushed to the ground, but the promise of God is it will rise up again. I just made up my mind. I want to open my eyes. I want to look around and say, God, what do you have here? What is there in this place that you want me to find? What is there in this place you want me to receive? What is there in this place that you want me to discover? Oh, come on, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Hallelujah.